0: Welcome back to the Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Staltzer, joined as always by my good buddy, John Paulson, who uh, I'm sure is is overwhelmed with all the things that he's been doing from rankings to articles to these podcasts, but he's always locked and loaded. What's going on, JP?
1: Yeah, I'm in the middle of uh, writing the Draft Day strategy article that I write every year, and it's a beast, uh, but we released uh, Sleepers and Values for all four positions, so uh, go to the site and check it out. I always love saying strategery, like I'm uh, yeah. Will
0: Farrell doing George Bush. George we use Bush. a picture of, of uh, Will as at the top of the article, strategery. <laughs> That's always good. Tell us about the music, then we'll dive into the meat and potatoes of the podcast.
1: Yeah, I'm going back to 1992 on this one. And a lot of uh, people of my generation, or maybe your generation too, Anthony, I think we're fairly close in age, um, would know Le- Yellow Lead Better by Pearl Jam. Uh, it was a B-side that ended up on the radio, uh, peaked at 21 on the Billboard mainstream rock track charts, and ended up on their Greatest Hits album. So it's not like it's a real deep, deep cut, but uh, not one of the more well-known Pearl Jam songs, "Yellow Ledbetter. Uh, so check it out on the Most Accurate Podcast playlist. Uh, you can find a link to it in the podcast, uh, any of the podcast posts on the uh, website, especially the ones, I think specifically the ones that, that I post, I always have those links in there. I know Greg is posting his own, songs and playlists uh, for the other edition of the Most Accurate Podcast, but uh, you can find a link there in the podcast post or you can find it on Spotify. Always appreciate
0: some 90s rock or alternative. Uh, That's kind of my scene, so always enjoy some Pearl Jam. We're going to go over some of the news that could impact fantasy owners and then take a deep dive into the running back position today, but first Want to let you know this podcast is brought to you by Fantasy Draft. Fantasy Draft, the only rake free daily fantasy site in the biz, has partnered with Hooters to bring you the largest guaranteed rake free contest lineup in the history of DFS, including the $1 million Hooters kickoff. Sign up at fantasydraft.com today with promo code 444, and you'll get a free seven day trial membership. Also, if you want to join the biggest season-long tournament ever, then you need to enter the $3.5 million Best Ball Championship on Draft with a grand prize of $1 million. Just search for Draft in the App Store or go to Draft.com. Get free entry into the Best Ball Championship when you make your first deposit with promo code four. That's the number 4, F-O-R, number 4. If you think you have what it takes, then draft today for a shot at the one million dollar jackpot. Let's talk a little bit about Andrew Luck. There's some conflicting reports on you know whether whether it's a calf injury, it's a knee injury, it's an ankle injury with Andrew Luck. He wants to kind of take it slow, doesn't want to rush any injury uh, situation because of what happened to him previously when maybe he played when he was hurt and then wound up missing a full year. What's going on here with Andrew Luck?
1: Well, I don't know it. It's kind of weird. I I don't know why he's not healthy at this point in the season. He hasn't done much uh, this off season, as far as we know. We don't think this injury happened at at a practice or anything like that. So um, it's just all of a sudden he stopped practicing. And I guess it, I guess it probably did happen in OTAs, but it was just a calf injury that uh, they were just waiting on, waiting on, waiting on, waiting on. Now they're saying it's a an ankle injury. They're saying it's not a high ankle sprain. Um, a quote, small little bone issue, according to Chris Ballard. Um, So they're going day by day, and they I guess there's no plans for surgery at this time. So Uh, Ballard did not guarantee that um, Luck would be ready to go week one, which is a little bit uh, alarming. Um, But, uh, you know, they're talking on both sides of their mouths as well because some of the beat writers are saying that they're – They're insisting that he will be out there week one. So, I'm not like, uh, you know, running around with my hair on fire about this because I wasn't going to get any Andrew Luck in 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 drafts anyway because I'm not drafting a quarterback as early as he's going. I'm waiting a few rounds later and getting somebody from a a different tier. Um, But I am a little concerned about this from a T.Y. Hilton standpoint because I could end up with him in the third round, Uh, Marlon Mack third fourth round uh, because this. If he's out, if Lux out, it obviously affects the entire uh, Indianapolis offense, so I'm, I'm more concerned about it from their standpoint. So I might shy away from them a little bit in those, the third, fourth round until we have some more clarity here on the Andrew Luck situation.
0: Yeah, I feel the same way too, John. I mean, he finished his QB5 last year, but given the injury situation, given the injury history, given the lack of information that we do have, you know, you're know, you sitting there in a draft. I'm with you. I, I wait on a quarterback, but for people that don't, you know, Deshaun Watson is is ranked right around the same area as Andrew Luck going QB4. And while Watson does have some concerns because of Houston's offensive line, uh, I would feel better about taking Watson over Luck at this point. But that's just based on the information that we have. I think, though, that this goes goes back to what you and I have been talking about, which is wait on your quarterback and then you can avoid the Andrew Luck uh, dilemma let's talk about antonio brown so this saga continues to be bizarre although it looks like we do have a, a, some some resolution now he j- just last weekend he was threatening to retire if the nfl didn't clear the helmet that he's been playing with so long story short he's got a helmet that's over 10 years old in efforts to not get sued again and also decrease concussions concussion problems the nfl surfies certain helmets they didn't certify his helmet. They've been getting these older helmets out of the league, but Antonio Brown says it blocks his vision, and you know he he wants to play with the helmet that he's comfortable with. Well, he arrived at training camp with his agent Drew Rosenhaus. Uh, Adam Schefter of ESPN also reported that he was going to attend training camp after losing the grievance with the NFL. What? From a fantasy standpoint, you know, look, Antonio Brown is one of the top wide receivers in the league. There's no, there's no doubt about it. The way that he gets open in the red zone has always been one of uh, the, his biggest appeals to not only fantasy owners but just him, him in general. But you got a, a spot where he's taken a hit from a quarterback standpoint. The 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 off season has been completely bizarre. How are you hand, handling Antonio Brown as we draw closer to drafting?
1: Well, in drafts, he's typically going in the late second, early third round. I suppose it depends on what's going on with his saga at that particular time, how he might retire if he doesn't get his helmet, that type of stuff. I think that scares off some owners, certainly, at the 2-3 turn. Um, just comparing him to this tier, I mean, I think Antonio Brown is arguably the most talented receiver. I've been a longtime fan and longtime followers would remember PPR hashtag PPR gold, and then eventually it became PPR platinum because of the consecutive games where he caught at least five passes or a touchdown uh, when he was with the Steelers. And I think he will go on to have a good season uh, with the Raiders, but when any, anytime a, a player um, misses camp, especially if he's changing teams, uh, I start to get a little worried. He's got to learn, him and, uh, and Carr need to learn each other's nuances and uh, the little tricks of the trade that they each have, and get on the same page, and I think we might be looking at a, a slightly so s- slow start unless they just pepper him with you know 12 to 15 uh, targets per game. You know the volume would offset any lack of efficiency.
0: I got to be honest, if I if I'm picking in the same area where Antonio Brown's available, Devonte Adams is available, Michael Thomas is available, I'm gonna have a hard time taking Antonio Brown. Uh, who certainly has more upside than the two players I just mentioned. But with Adams and Thomas, I feel like it's a little less risk and and how much are you really losing. So uh, that's that's a a situation that fantasy owners are going to have to deal with moving forward. Golden Tate lost his appeal of his four-game suspension, so he will be suspended. What's the latest when it comes to ADP uh, and draft strategy with Golden
1: Tate? Well, his ADP has dipped, but I think he's actually getting into where he's a very nice value if you can get him as your – Uh, wide receiver four wide receiver five because you don't need him to start at the start of the year and when he does come back he's probably gonna you know produce a pretty good uh, points per game especially in PPR formats because he's gonna uh, he's kind of a target hog so uh, his price is going down I'm starting to pick him up after I'm grafting my quarterbacks in the 10th 11th round he's sometimes there 12th 13th round now and uh, I think he's a good nice value there despite the suspension
0: all right, we're going to take a deep dive into the running back position. But first, hey, fantasy football fans, listen up. Do you want to join the biggest NFL season-long tournament ever? Of course you do. If you love fantasy football, and we know you do, then you need to enter the $3.5 million best ball championship on draft. That's right, $3.5 million, real money, freaking huge. Here's how best ball works. It's a season-long Uh, it's it's season long but with no management you just set the lineup and forget it once you're done drafting that's it no trades no waiver wire you don't even have to set your lineup your best players get automatically started and you'll get the best score every week guaranteed no salary caps you can play in real live snake drafts just like you play with your friends in season-long leagues no better place to play and you can draft the team anytime you want. Leagues start every couple of minutes, so you can join one right now. Just do draft, and you could be a millionaire in 16 weeks. It doesn't get any easier than that. Well, of course, you gotta win. Uh, But join uh, join us on Draft today. You can download the app anytime. Just search Draft in the app or Play Store and join a game in minutes, or play right from your computer on draft.com whenever you want. Right now, all new players get free entry into a best ball draft. When you make your first deposit, you do have to use our promo code 444. That's right, play a real money game for free just by using the code 444 on your first deposit on Draft. Just search Draft in the App Store, go to Draft.com, or you can go to Draft.com, come play for free with promo code 444. John, last week we talked about quarterback strategy. Let's talk about the running back position today. What do you notice about the position this year uh, that, it, that that's been different in years past? Could it be deeper?
1: Yeah, I I mentioned this in my uh, Sleepers, Values, and Targets article uh, for the running back position. And I counted up the number of running backs that I thought had fairly safe workloads uh, heading into the season. Last year, that number was 13. And this year, the number was closer to 20. And I think even some of the guys going a few spots later, you know, in the 20 to 25 range, uh, in terms of ADP, uh, in terms of my rankings, have gotten even. Uh, I've gotten a boost to their value as well. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but to me, it seems deeper, uh, in terms of being able to get guys in the fourth, fifth, uh, even maybe the early sixth, um, where you're pretty excited to to be able to land them there. And they're, they have a pretty predictable, uh, workload. So it's, For me, it's a little bit of a departure from the last year maybe the previous year where there was a little bit more top-heavy at the position and you maybe wanted to grab one of those top 12 guys. I think um, owners can be really flexible on draft day and kind of put together a a draft plan however they want to. All right. When you look at the
0: position as a whole, if it's deep, does it point point you to any specific strategy for the position?
1: Well, the interesting thing is, as I was writing my strategic uh, write-up about the running back position, is that the wide receiver position is pretty deep too. Um, so it, it, there's not like a clear strategy for me to recommend this year. I think you're, if you're sitting there in the first, second, third round and value starts to drop to you, uh, players that maybe you're not expecting to be there are there. Uh, you can go ahead and take best player available if you if you like that player the most and not worry too much. You know, If you start wide receiver, wide receiver, or if you start running back, running back, or even if you start with three straight at one of those two positions, uh, there are players going fourth, fifth, sixth round that you can put together a pretty nice uh, running back core and or receiver core and know that you're going to get a certain number of targets or a certain number of, of, of touches in the running back position. Let's go round-by-round ADP-wise now, starting with the first
0: round. Most of these early players, they're safe, but are there any running backs currently going in the first round that could give you pause? For example, uh, an Ezekiel Elliott or a Le'Veon Bell who comes back, but different team, different offensive line, uh, things like that.
1: Yeah, I would say that Elliott, I'm starting to shy away from him at that four spot. He's been dropping um, to five or six, I think. Owners are justifi- justifiably concerned that he may miss a game or two or, or four or maybe even eight uh, heading into the season. If you are going to grab him, I would make sure I grab Tony Pollard, um, but as, as a backup plan. But and he's you know when, when Elliott's healthy and playing and he's happy, he's going to be the he, he's arguably the number one fantasy running back out there. So owners grabbing him at six or seven, they're taking a risk, but there's a lot of upside there. As for Bell, uh, I agree that he's maybe a little shaky. I ended up with him in the third round. So like in my uh, Scott Fishbowl draft, which is kind of a weird format, but he he was there at the early third round, which I couldn't really believe. I mean, he's obviously a great talent. Uh, The the offensive line is, should be improved. They got the guy from uh, Oakland who's been playing well, apparently uh, the offensive lineman. Uh, But you know, Adam Gase is known for his shenanigans at running back. Uh, Gase also said that he didn't, you know, implied that he didn't really want to sign Bell. He didn't want to spend that lot of money on the running back position. But now that he's there, he's happy to coach him and is going to use him. Um, I think there is some concern that the the backups there, Ty Montgomery, Bilal Powell, will play a little bit more than what Bell is used to in terms of uh, his workload and what he had at, at, at Pittsburgh. So um, I think uh, I'm shying away from him a little bit too. Maybe in the second round I would draft, draft him, but I'm not going to try to take him in the first round.
0: Yeah, I have a hard time. I mean, this all changes, and it's a moot point if if Elliott shows up, but I have a hard time drafting Ezekiel Elliott at this point. Le'Veon Bell, um, like you said, if he falls into the third round, now now you're looking at grabbing a a really talented back, and, and the risk might be worth it. Uh, depending on if he falls, but with Elliott, I, I just I think I'm going to completely shy away from him. I mean, look at look at the situation last year with Le'Veon Bell. You're sitting there, and it's you know a lot of people were were forced with either the the decision of Le'Veon Bell or Todd Gurley. Well, if you took Le'Veon Bell with one of your first two picks, your season was likely sunk. I mean, I think the the win the win total there was like at forty percent for for players that took uh, Le'Veon Bell last year. I'm just I'm not willing to sink a whole fantasy season because Elliott you know may or may not hold out or continue to hold out. Is there a running back where who you could now consider in the first round that you wouldn't you wouldn't have considered maybe a few weeks ago? But with the Elliott situation continuing to be a problem. Um, is there a player now that you're targeting as a as a first round pick that you weren't a couple of weeks ago?
1: Yeah, I think Nick Chubb has now moved into the into the first round, and you could even argue if it's a running back heavy draft or a standard format that maybe you pick him at six or seven. Um, but Duke Johnson moving on, he's going to have the back backfield mainly to himself. It's going to be a high octane offense. There should be lots of touchdowns. Uh, he fared really well in, the, in all the you know running back metrics that I've seen uh, last season. Like he's a very good player and. Playing in that offense should be should be great for him. Cream Hunt is the one looming like little rain cloud that's off in the distance, and you wonder uh, week ten uh, he comes back and th- does he start to eat into Chubb's uh, workload? But at that point, uh, Hunt will have been out of football for a long time, and he's just going to be kind of working his way uh, into the offense. And I think Chubb it, is good enough to dominate that those first half of the season, those first nine games, and um, I'm sorry, those first eight games. And uh, really have a stranglehold on that job, so I'm not too worried about Hunt coming back. So I think, I think Chubbs uh, has moved into the first round now with his Duke-Johnson trade.
0: And then what about a second round? Uh, if, we're, if we're moving on to the second round running backs, are any of these players moving up or down in your rankings over the last couple of weeks?
1: I think Connor, um, Mixon are real solid uh, I think Dalvin Cook is real solid, uh, given the the run-heavy ways of uh, the offensive coordinator there, uh, Safansky in Minnesota. I think you can really depend on their their workloads. Those three players, uh, Connor. There's a little bit of worry about uh, about his receiving uh, touches with Jalen Samuels there, but I mean, there's so many uh, targets vacated there by uh, Antonio Brown that I don't think uh, you know it's going to be a problem for Connor to keep up his. His work in the receiving game he was so good last year when he was the lead back for the for the Steelers so not really worried about that not really worried about Joe Mixon Um, I know there was an injury to the offensive line but he's been playing behind a bad offensive line his whole career Uh, and uh, he's been a 20 touch guy so I think he's pretty safe in the second round uh, as well so these are these are solid picks if you get into that late first and you want to take a receiver uh, you can scoop one of these guys up maybe in the second. Uh, I think one player that's moved into the second round very late, I think, mainly in PPR, half PPR, is Car- uh, on Johnson due to the, the Theo Riddick trade. There's quite a bit of targets uh, freed up there with Riddick gone. And Johnson uh, you know, had a good workload there when he was healthy for the Lions. They want to be uh, a run-heavy, run-oriented team. Uh, the big question mark, I think, for fantasy owners is what to do with Todd Gurley because he's been slipping uh, sometimes into that, Early second round, I've seen, even seen him in the late second round. I took him in a, uh, in a draft uh, as my number two running back uh, at, at, at the one at the two spots, so I got him at uh, 211. Uh, so the news on him seems to be – like his stock seems to be rising a little bit, I think. I think uh, Darrell Henderson um, is struggling a little bit in camp in terms of the, the running schemes that the Rams are using. Uh, so, and then, and, but really the question is, is Gurley and his knee and, you know, he's practicing and is looking pretty good out there. So, uh, even if they manage his touches a little bit and he's only 70%, 80% of the player he was last year, he's still going to be an RB1. Let's
0: talk about Damian Williams now. Is he a safe pick at the two, three turn? Because when you, when you look at how he finished the year, obviously there's, there's a lot of optimism. Now the counter would be, he, he emerged out of, you know, nowhere. The thing is, Miami really—I don't think they knew what they had. And if you even go back to his days at Oklahoma, I mean, this—he <clears throat> wasn't a five-star recruit, but I think I think he was either a two or three three-star recruit who had a pretty pretty good year in Oklahoma, and then wound up failing multiple drug tests. Uh, he was kicked off the team his senior year. So, you know, it's not my point is—it's not like he 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 doesn't have talent. But when you're looking at what he did at the end of the year, how do you? How do you project it for a full season? And again, getting back to my question, is he safe as a pick in that two three turn?
1: Yeah, I've seen some um talk about him not having the college pedigree. Uh, and that's a reason why you can't trust him as a runner, but he he played I think it was Arizona Western and he just it was a you know, obviously not a division one school, but he just absolutely tore things up there. So his career rushing yardage, if you go back, you know, to his first two years is right up there in terms of his total yardage Uh, he also ended up at Oklahoma so Oklahoma must have liked him Uh, and you can't really I mean you can knock him for getting kicked off the team but he missed four games his senior year as well so that's another reason why his yardage was down and yeah he's a I would call him a journeyman that has now landed in a really good spot and People are skeptical that he'll be able to hold on to the job. I think some of those people really think that Carlos Hyde is great, and I don't think Carlos Hyde uh, has done anything over the last couple years that would uh, imply that he's a better player right now than Damian Williams. Certainly, Damian Williams is a better receiver, which is big in this offense. Uh, He looked. Williams didn't just come in for one or two games and and light it up. He was really good for a five-game stretch. Uh, So it's a little bit of a sample for you. And I think the the hamstring injury that he had early in camp and Andy Reid may be sounding frustrated with uh, him missing reps and, you know, implying that there's going to be a committee. And then I just saw a report today that uh, they made it clear that Williams was the starter. Um, His, his ADP is going to float around that third round. There's going to be, and maybe he might even slip into the fourth in some, in in some home uh, friends and family drafts. Uh, I just picked him up in the middle of the third round. I'm happy to have him there as my RB one or RB two. Um, The other guy, Darwin Thompson, there is 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 kind of uh, looking dangerous as well. But I think Williams is going to lead this backfield in touches, and in this offense, uh, whoever the RB one is is really going to produce. And um, you know, I want I want those points on my team.
0: As we talk about Marlon Mack, Aaron Jones, Melvin Gordon, Devontae Freeman, Leonard Fournette going off the board in the third round. Derek Henry, Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, the rookie in Chicago, Chris Carson, Mark Ingram, who's now in Baltimore, going off the board in the fourth. Are any of these players moving around your rankings at this point?
1: Well, Gordon has been really slipping in my rankings due to the negativity around his contract situation. Uh, I'm pretty much avoiding him. He's going way earlier in the drafts that I'm at. I'm like, you can have Gordon there, and maybe it backfires and he ends up playing week one, but... um, you know, right now, it's just not real optimistic about that. Uh, Devonta Freeman is looking good. He's healthy, 27 years old. He, this the interesting thing about the guys you just mentioned the third and fourth round is that they sometimes slip. Uh, this group gets kind of jumbled up. Sometimes Josh Jacobs will go in the third. Uh, David Montgomery ends up going in the third. Derrick Henry goes in the third. And then you end up with Marlon Mack in the fourth. Devonta Freeman in the fourth. Maybe Fournette in the fourth. So this this uh, this group is kind of fluid back and forth. Uh, for me, Freeman, I'm happy to take him. I'm happy to take Josh Jacobs. Uh, I think he's got that backfield pretty much locked up. And I think uh, Chris Carson is surging now uh, in ADP, and I've moved him up in my rankings a little bit. The, the Seattle uh, Seahawks have said that they want to get him the ball more in the passing game. It appears that Carson is well ahead of Rashad Penny. Uh as far as the competition for the job, so Carson's role is pretty much going to be the same as last year, plus um, some catches, some more catches. And with Mike Davis leaving, he had 40-something catches last year. There is a passing role uh, that is opening up there. I think we, most of us thought it was going to be Penny that was going to take most of that, but now they're now they're talking about Carson, so he could end up with uh, a lot or more, you know, more more of those catches than what Penny's getting. That's going to put him as a high-end RB2 instead of maybe a low-end RB2. And then David Montgomery obviously had a really good preseason game, looks looks the part. I am um, you know, I think he's an interesting pick at the 3-4 turn in the middle of the fourth round. Uh, I would be a little more inclined to take somebody we're going to talk about later if I'm going to take a rookie who's looking great in camp. Um, just due to the fact that Tariq Cohen is there. Mike Davis is there, um, and, and the price is a little bit high for a guy who might be in a committee. It looks like Montgomery's going to lead that backfield in touches, but it's no sure thing.
0: Let's talk about fifth-round running backs now. you got James White, Sony Michelle, Philip Lindsay, Telvin Coleman, all coming off the board. Uh, Tevin Coleman are, are coming off the board. What do you think of this group?
1: I kind of like tel- Telvin Coleman. <laughs> I added an L there. Yeah. Uh, Coleman's stock, I think, is rising because Matt Breda as well, because of what's going on with Jerry McKinnon's injury, uh, his knee. He has a setback and he's had a platelet-rich uh, injection in his knee. He's going to be out for a, a few weeks and might start the season on pop, so he might miss the first six games. That obviously opens up a lot of touches there and, and makes that backfield a lot less crowded. And I think uh, Coleman is the RB1 there. He's been running as the RB1 there the entire time. I know they want to use Breda as well. And I think he's a good value later uh, too. But uh, Coleman's stock, I think, is rising. And I think you can uh, look at him in the fifth round. Philip Lindsay is, you know, his stock has dropped since the start of the season because, or since the start of the draft season, since uh, Royce Freeman uh, has been looking good. Lindsay had that uh, wrist issue and was sitting out of camp. Um, And there's been multiple beat writers saying that they want to get these touches, or not touches, but carries uh, more even between the two. I think Lindsay's still does a lot in the passing game and is the better pick, but uh, maybe this backfield is a little bit more split 50-50. James White is James White. He's going to get 70 catches. Um, He's going to score some touchdowns in the two-minute drill. Um, He's just going to be maybe frustrating week to week to start him every single week because uh, he's going to have some uh, bad games, but he's also going to have some seven-catch for 90-yard, two-touchdown games as well. Uh, Michelle, I don't have really any stock in this year. I just started off with a knee injury. He's worked his way back. He's well ahead of of, uh, of the rookie there, uh, and but Rex Burkhead is in the mix. If Rex Burkhead is healthy, then I think he'll be involved uh, in the offense as well. Um, so I, I just don't have a lot of stock in, in Michelle. I think he's more of a standard uh, league player due to the uh, touchdowns versus the number of receptions he's been getting.
0: Uh, if I could throw some two cents in with Tevin Coleman, you know when Devontae Freeman went down last year, Tevin Coleman was was supposed to be the guy, and he did he did have plenty of games where he flashed and looked good, but it just it, it, it kind of fell flat. I mean, I think he finished as an RB eighteen, which would put him in the you know RB two category, but at the same time, he he was he was the guy. I love the fit, though, with Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan used Tevin, Tevin Coleman in a variety of ways when Atlanta went to the Super Bowl three years ago, including lining him up in the slot. I, th- I think that with Kyle Shanahan, there, there, there's there's opportunity to grow. Now, with Coleman, I, I do think, believe it or not, he's kind of a limited player. He's straight, straight line speed, somebody that doesn't have a ton of vision, but he can break off a long run or two and, put, and post those big games. But again, I lo- I love the fit there with Kyle Shanahan. So if Jared McKinnon is you know, he's available for week one, it's in jeopardy and maybe the the knee injury doesn't respond and it's a slow go for McKinnon, I think Tevin Coleman could have a pretty decent year. Let's move on to the sixth round. Tariq Cohen, Austin Eckler, Miles Sanders, Kenyon Drake coming off the board. Side note, Drake was spotted in a walking boot on Wednesday after injuring his foot in practice on Tuesday. Joe Schott of the Palm Beach Post reported that the injury is not considered structural. What's happening now with this group, and how do you look at that that situation with Kenyon Drake?
1: Well, I'm a, I'm a Drake uh, believer, truther, if you will. Uh, I think he's a lot better than uh, Kalen Balazs in terms of his, ability to run the ball certainly better in the passing game in my estimation uh and even though Bellage was taking some of the reps with the first team in, in early in training camp i think drake was the one that was out there first in the first preseason game uh a couple of beat writers said he was their best offensive weapon so am i a little concerned about this walking boot yes but i think walking boots are used oftentimes in precautionary measures just to keep make sure that the the uh, the um, player is staying off the foot, not flexing the foot at all. So, you know, I'm guessing it's a it's a, an ankle sprain. I'm hoping it's not a high ankle sprain because um, the high ankle sprain would probably get into the season. But I, I'm going to take the discount. Uh, he's with this injury. I mean, he, before this injury, he was already dropped into the sixth round due to the training camp concerns and his pecking order there. Here's my take on Drake. He's in basically the same situation. Even if he's behind Balaj, he's in the same situation as he was last year when uh, Frank Gore was the primary runner and getting a lot more touches than anybody thought he was going to heading into the season. And Drake still finished as the RB14 in PPR. Uh, so I think you have that as your – I don't say that this is his floor because, there's the, as I mentioned, the running back position is deeper. But, I mean, RB2 numbers from Drake in a part-time role, especially in PPR because he's probably going to catch a lot of passes – I think you're looking at RB2 numbers from him. Um, You might have some frustrating weeks, uh, but as you're RB3, RB4, uh, now with this discount, I think he might even drop into the seventh round uh, with this ankle injury until we know exactly what is wrong with him. Uh, I'm definitely going to scoop him up there because I think the upside is way too high. If he ends up winning this job... Uh, which I think he's got a great chance to uh, lead this backfield in touches. Uh, he he could flirt with RB1 numbers, especially in PPR formats. Um, the rookie I wanted to talk about was Miles Sanders. He's basically like David Montgomery right now, a rookie really shining. Um, I think the question is, well, he's two, he's going two rounds later, so that's part of it. So there's a discount there. Um, but the question is, will Doug Peterson use him uh, in a lead back role when he hasn't not use a committee uh in philly but um sanders definitely is up the in the the pecking order his in in practice his care i think uh, Elliot shore parks uh beat writer there said that his carries with the first team were about the same as uh jordan howard but he had much more much more catches or many more catches so sanders could lead this team in touches in week one and and go from there if if he's successful he should uh you know carve out a pretty large role maybe 60 percent of the touches there and he should be a good in that type of role. And then, you know, Eckler, I like him. His value is kind of hard to gauge with the whole Gordon uh, holdout. If you're, if you're negative on Gordon, you should be positive on Eckler because he has been uh, running with the ones uh, with, with Gordon out and he's been um, productive in a backup role. He wasn't quite as productive in a starting role, but I think it was a small sample size um, and he's fully capable of posting, uh, you know, mid to high RB two numbers. If, if Gordon is out. We'll continue our running back
0: conversation, but first, Fantasy Draft, the only rake-free daily fantasy site in the business, is partnered with Hooters to bring you the largest guaranteed rake-free contest lineup in the history of daily fantasy sports, including the $1 million Hooters kickoff. That's right, Fantasy Draft is hosting the first rake-free contest with a guaranteed prize pool of $1 million. Listen, as other fantasy sites continue to raise rake, prize pools are being squeezed, making it harder for players like you to win. Whether you call it rake-free, or, or commission, or management fee, the days of paying 10, 12, or even 15 percent or more off your of your entry fees to fantasy companies are now over. No longer will you lose 30 percent of your bankroll to the house. Only Fantasy Draft are 100 percent of entry fees paid out to contest winners. 100 percent of the time to access all of the fantasy drafts exclusive rake free contest including the hooters million dollar kickoff all you need to do is become a member sign up at fantasydraft.com today promo code 444 you'll get a free seven day trial membership that's fantasydraft.com use that promo code 444 don't miss your shot at this incredible million dollar rake free contest and it's one hundred thousand dollar top prize Let's move on to the seventh round running backs now. ADP wise, you got Lamar Miller, Latavius Murray, Rashad Penny, Darius Geis. Eighth round, Darrell Henderson, who's the rookie in LA, backing up Todd Todd uh, Gurley, and then you've got Royce Freeman. What's your thoughts on the seventh and eighth round backs?
1: There's still some value here if you look at it. Uh, Miller probably leads the Houston backfield in in touches. He's been productive with uh deshaun watson at quarterback you know he was going in the fifth round once the donta uh, deonta foreman uh news cut happened uh but then since duke johnson trade uh his his adp has sunk into the seventh round i think he's fine there as a rb3 if you go really wide receiver tight end heavy at the start of the draft and he's your rb2 i think you're you're okay um probably going to get 17 16 17 touches there especially at the start of the season we'll see how he does with it Latavius Murray in that Mark Ingram role uh, has RB1 upside. If anything were to uh, happen to Alvin Kamara, knock on wood, doesn't happen. Uh, but Murray should, uh, you know, I don't think Kamara is going, I don't think they signed Murray to the big contract uh, just so Kamara could take over and be the uh, 25-touch running back that uh, people, some people think he's going to be. Uh, Rashad Penny, his stock is dropping a little bit, but I think, there's plenty of room in Seattle for two fantasy relevant running backs, given all the to, you know all the the touches available and how run heavy they've been. Now I don't know that they're going to be able to stay that run heavy. Uh, the defense is not as good as it was. Uh, they they have a pretty tough schedule in terms of what the teams are playing, so uh, they may have to pass a little bit more than they want to. But I think Penny's role as the RB2 there will be big enough where he's um, you know offering you flex value, maybe low end RB2 value on a weekly basis. But again, if something happens to Chris Carson uh penny shoots up way up the rankings uh and project or rest of season projections and then guys i don't have any guys uh the knee scares me the hamstring scares me uh, adrian peterson's still there so i just haven't been drafting him at all um you know maybe two or three rounds later i might take a, a roll of dice on him but he's never available. never around at that point i think he's a good player but i just don't know if he's gonna be healthy and, and with peterson there i just don't see it this year maybe peterson gets cut i don't know uh Henderson struggling a little bit in camp, apparently, good pass catcher. Malcolm Brown might actually be the backup to Todd Gurley. So that's, I think, one reason why he's dropped from the fifth round, sixth round into the, to the eighth. Uh, and then Royce Freeman probably should be going a little bit higher given the news out of camp and that he's going to uh, see more work in the running game this year than he did last year.
0: In the ninth round, you're looking at running backs like Jordan Howard and Ronald Jones in the 10th. You got Kalen Bellage jalen samuels justin jackson peyton barber and damian harris what are your thoughts on these guys
1: well you know jordan howard's trending down due to the miles sanders hype uh probably will just be the you know by week four or five probably is the backup running back there um not a great pass catcher uh, i think they want to have dual set running backs there uh, ronald jones and peyton barber is an interesting. Camp battle, and we really don't know what's happening there. Uh, Barber has been ahead of Jones, but uh, Bruce Arians has been very complimentary of Jones. Uh, you know, if you're struggling at running back position, let's say you go wide receiver heavy, and you need some guys that have some upside, you know, you could take Jones or Barber and hope that one of them wins the job. I think Jones probably has more upside based on uh, what I've seen coming out of camp, but Barber certainly, uh, if if he's in the lead role, is capable of posting RB three type numbers. Belage you know, I, I would I would basically take him if I took Drake and wanted just the insurance. I think Balazs, if he's around a round or two later, I might draft him. I just am not a big believer in him. Uh, You know, maybe if this Drake injury is, is serious, uh, then you can bump him up because they just don't have a whole lot behind them, the two of them. Jalen Samuels is supposed to get uh, quite a bit of work in the PPR or as a receiver. So PPR formats, he's uh, got a little boost in value. They're lining him up at receiver, um, in the slot and everything. So, uh, there's some the PPR upside there. Maybe, uh, you're looking at him as a zero RB candidate cause he will get you some PPR points. And then it's something were to happen to J- uh, James Conner. Then Samuels might step into a larger role there. Uh, Justin Jackson, obviously the backup to Eckler. If Melvin Gordon is out, there was some talk that Jackson might end up being the RB one there, but I think Eckler continues to run ahead of him. Uh, but uh, Jackson would get into that maybe eight to nine touches per game if if Gordon is out. And then obviously if Eckler gets injured, Jackson would shoot up. So uh, as far as Damian Harris in New England, apparently he's not been, not, not been running with the ones hardly at all. So it looks like he's on the outside looking in right now behind um, Michelle White and uh, Burkhead. In the eleventh, twelfth round, you got Lashawn McCoy, Duke
0: Johnson, Kareem Hunt, Matt Breida, Devin Singletary, Dion, uh, Dion Lewis, and then Naheem Hines. Uh, anybody jumping out in this group? I know you talked a little bit about Matt Breida earlier.
1: Yeah, Matt Breida jumps out. Uh, you know, imagine a world where Tevin Coleman goes down and Jarek McKinnon is out for the first six weeks. Um, Matt Breida all of a sudden is you know flirting with RB one numbers. Duke Johnson. Joining the, the Texans, they don't throw the ball a ton to their running backs, but they might be signaling that they want to a little more by, by uh, making this trade with Duke for Duke. Uh, he's behind a, I would describe Lamar Miller as a vulnerable RB1. Uh, hasn't set the world on fire there in Houston, although last year he did, I think, average 4.6 yards per carry. Um, so Duke jumps out, you know, 10th, 11th round. And, and the, the one note on him, I know some owners play in, in keeper leagues where um, they can keep a guy that you know from round ten or later, and for the next season. And I think Duke is an interesting pick there if you're looking uh, forward to 2020, because Lamar Miller is a uh, free agent next year. Uh, and if they don't pay him, and they've basically made this trade, a third round, possibly a third round pick uh, for Duke Johnson, uh, basically tagging him as their running back of the future. And I do think he has three down ability. Just Cleveland never used him that way. Um, he's the leading um, rusher from Miami. If I got his college right, I know he's the leading rusher at his college. I think it's Miami University, yeah. Miami, yeah. which is kind of crazy when you think about all the guys uh, who went through Miami. Uh, so I think he does have three down ability. Obviously, really good in the passing game. So in a keeper league, I would I would nab him as my RB four, RB five, and then end up you know maybe with an RB two next year. As far as Buffalo, it's a mess. I don't know what's going to happen there. I feel like there's going to be a cut or two. McCoy, Gore, Yeldon are the veterans, um, and Devin Singletary is the is the kind of the satellite back rookie. Um, I'm sort of avoiding it. The offense isn't going to be great, and until this clears up, uh, I'm just not not drafting any of the Bills running backs.
0: Uh, did you say did you say Devin Singletary, Miami?
1: Yeah. Uh, was, no, I uh, said uh, Duke Johnson. Duke Miami. Johnson was
0: Miami. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, it, the Devin, Devin Singleton went to Florida Atlantic. So any, anybody in the podcast was listening like, hey, I know John was talking about Duke Johnson, but what about Devin Singletary? They both played in the state of Florida. So there you have it. <laughs> um, but yeah, Duke Johnson was Miami. As we get into the 13th round or later, does anyone stand out to you as an excellent value given their current situation? We're talking players like... Uh, Justice Hill, Alexander Matson. You got Tony Pollard, who is, you know, he's turning some heads because Ezekiel Elliott's not in Dallas right now. Adrian Peterson, you mentioned a couple of times. Jarek McKinnon, you mentioned a couple of times. Ito Smith looks like the backup in Atlanta for now, but he's another smaller back. Um... I know Brian Hill has looked pretty good in training camp and then preseason as well. In that same 13th round or later, Darwin Thompson, Chase Edmonds, Gio Bernard, Dante Foreman, Chris Thompson, C.J. Anderson, Malcolm Brown, Mike Davis, Jamal Williams, Jalen Rashard, Alfred Morris, Dexter Williams, Gus Edwards, Armstead, Ty Montgomery. Anyone else you want to mention? I mean, you're looking at these, these kind of deeper guys. There's this deep sleeper at all
1: yeah I, I had you you know read all those guys out so everybody knew that we considered him for the podcast and you know who's who do I look for well at this point in the draft I'm looking for real world backups r b2s who are an injury away from the starting job or I'm looking for a pass catching back that has a uh, established role in the offense that so can offer some PPR value on a weekly basis especially in like a spot start situation where he might get you four for 40 in a touchdown. Now, the player that stands out to me in this group that you just mentioned was is Adrian Peterson, since he you know, rushed for 1,000 yards last year. Uh, normally, you're shying away from mid-30s running backs uh, who have a good rookie behind them. But in this situation, with guys coming off the injury, having the hamstring injury, still not being cleared for games, and Adrian Peterson being Adrian Peterson, he's not your typical mid-30s uh, running back. He's one of the greatest of all time. Uh, and for him to be available 13th round, I think there's a better than 50, 50 chance that he leads this backfield and carries, Um and maybe has a, a similar, uh, season as he had last year when he finished in the top 20. So I think he's an excellent value there. Now I realize everybody, the, the sexy picks is guys cause you know, he's the rookie, he's the young guy, he's the new, new shiny thing. Um, but maybe I'm showing my age here, but I think Peterson still has quite a bit of, uh, Gas left in the tank. Uh, as far as the other backups, RB2s that I'm looking at, I think Tony Pollard is an excellent pick at this point in the draft. With given what's going on with Ezekiel Elliott, and if the Ezekiel Elliott owner didn't draft him, then you should punish punish him by taking Tony Pollard and, and making him sweat the next uh, few weeks until uh, Elliott gets back into camp. But if anything happens to Elliott Pollard likely takes over that role they signed you know alfred morris but i think pollard is probably going to be the backup there given how he's playing at camp Chess edmonds has apparently looked very good and is the backup to david johnson uh geo bernard is going so late in drafts but we've seen it before where uh the running back he gets starts getting uh you know rb1 type touches and he ends up posting rb1 type uh fantasy numbers i know he's been dinged up in camp but he, given his price right now he's not going to give you a weekly value as a you know a part-time player but if anything happens to Mixon, um, Bernard shoots up the, the, the redraft value. Um, C.J. Anderson, same thing with Kerry and Johnson as the backup. Uh, run heavy offense, showed last year he could carry the load. Uh, Darwin Thompson looking very good in, in camp might end up usurping uh, Carlos Hyde if, if Hyde were to maybe get cut because they feel so good about their, their backups there. Gus Edwards was an excellent running, running back for the Ravens last, last year. He's been a totally forgotten man with Mark Ingram coming in. Uh, Justice Hill, uh, turning some heads, but Edwards is probably the RB two there. And the primary backup if anything happens to, to Ingram, uh, Malcolm Brown kind of the forgotten man as well. He probably gets into a 12 carry 12 to 14 carry role. If anything happens to Gurley, uh, the jets are using Ty Montgomery quite a bit in practice. Um, he's getting some run with the ones as well. So he's sort of the handcuff to, Le'Veon Bell, or just a you know attrition play there in for the Jets. Mike Davis, uh, Chicago, quality player if anything were to happen to uh, Montgomery. Uh, Jamal Williams has been injured, kind of just like Aaron Jones. Uh, I know they've got a rookie there as well, but Williams probably backs, backing up Aaron Jones. Wy- 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 Rykel Armstead, if anything were to happen to Fournette, who's constantly dinged up. I know Alfred Blue is there as well, but uh, Armstead probably has more upside. And Benny Snell in um, – in pittsburgh if something were to happen to james Conner, it probably is the snell and uh jalen samuels show as far as the pass catchers i think chris thompson is a value you know hill's a value something of a value but that backfield is so um, crowded in, in baltimore that it's hard to count on anyone other than ingram and the other guys that we didn't mention mike boone is might be the backup to uh Delvin cook in minnesota uh he's if you look at his Profile at playerprofiler.com. He's, he's kind of an athletic freak. He ripped off like a 70-yard run uh, in the preseason. Uh, you mentioned Brian Hill. He might be pushing Edo Smith for that backup job. You know, there's a rule that has been pretty accurate for like the last 10 years is that Frank Gore is always going to outperform his draft position. So you should just draft him and not worry about it. Uh, you could see McCoy maybe getting cut or getting injured, and all of a sudden Gore is getting 15 carries a game. Uh, Cameron Artis-Payne has been backing up uh, McCaffrey there in Carolina. He caught a couple passes against the Bears for a big gainer, so he might be the backup there, the number two guy there. And I think uh, Kenneth Dixon is a last-round type of a guy that could get cut and end up somewhere else, but I think he's a really good player. He's versatile, a good runner, a good receiver, and uh, could end up in a larger role elsewhere.
0: All right. Um, John, great stuff. I know that you – uh, you know, took a deep dive here, and we went we went very deep into to the draft, trying to find maybe some uh some sleepers and then guys like you said that that have real opportunities to be backups and and could suit you know uh see see their stock rise later in the year with injuries but great stuff as always don't forget you can use our code t-m-a-p so think of the most accurate podcast t-m-a-p for 10 percent off any four for four subscription so if you're not yet signed up to four for four don't know what you're waiting for so but we still got a 10 percent off for you if you use the code TMAP. Before we go, also like to announce a rate and review t-shirt promotion. We've done this in the past. It's simple. All you have to do is go to iTunes and rate and review the podcast. Next Wednesday, we'll pick someone at random to win a free 4 for 4 t- t-shirt. Easy peasy. Done deal, right? Uh, I'll be gone next week. I got, uh, I think, a dentist appointment next week, John. But you're going to have a guest lined up for, for the wide receiver week, right?
1: Yeah, I didn't want to make you come record a podcast after your dentist appointment. I don't know how how well that got. After my dentist appointments, I usually feel like uh, curling up in the fetal position on the couch. (laughs) Usually mine are okay, but you never know. (laughs) So I was able to secure Matt Harmon of uh, Yahoo fame uh, as the guest, and I think for Wide Receiver Week, that's great because he uh, obviously does the reception perception um, charting, and he's got a lot of great information that – we can share with our listeners. We're going to talk mainly talk about breakout receivers, uh, maybe receivers going a little bit later that uh, are really good route runners and maybe present some value there. I'm going to talk with, with Matt about how his uh, reception perception data um, does how sticky the, the stats are year to year and how it relates to fantasy points uh, per game and, and all that. So it should be a real fun time.
0: Well, good. I'm uh, looking forward to listening to that podcast. You guys uh, should have a good one, absolutely. Do, don't forget, you can follow John on Twitter at 444 four underscore John. You can follow me as well at Anthony Stalter. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hope you, you are getting a lot of good information for your fantasy drafts and we will continue to post leading up to the season, and then it's, uh, it's go time. So it should be another great year for the Most Accurate Podcast for 4.com as well. Uh, until next time, we'll uh, we'll see you.